Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Thursday, March 16th. Hollywood does nothing better than celebrate itself. So today, it's our turn. This show, The Town, is one year old. Last year, this week, we did our very first episode about the Batman and the new variable pricing for blockbusters and movie theaters. And now we've done more than 150 shows. Turns out it was a good time to start a Hollywood pod because there's been pretty much chaos ever since that show. From the great Netflix correction to the slap to the Battle of the Bobs at Disney and the disappearing of movies like Batgirl at Warner Brothers Discovery. The Vulture review of The Town at the end of last year was kind of perfect. It said, The Town was the perfect podcast for the year Hollywood went crazy. And I definitely agree. I've had a ton of fun doing the show. I want to thank everyone who's been listening from the beginning or just joined us today. Bill Simmons first for thinking that there would be an audience for this stuff. All our guests, especially Lucas Shaw, who comes on every Monday. And especially producer Craig, my puppeteer. On our second show, I started doing predictions at the end. My first prediction would be that Netflix, which was reeling from the market correction at the time, would reduce its movie releases from about 70 or 80 to the 50 range. Boom. This year, it's on track for 50 releases. That prediction worked out, but not all were as prescient. Alas, as people on Twitter are super nice to point out a lot. We thought a fun way to celebrate the year and hold me accountable would be to revisit my predictions, my call sheets, to see how I did in year one. We get a lot of listener mail here. You can always email us at thetown at spotify.com. Your own critiques, comments, questions. But today, it's how did I do? Big hits, big misses, whoppers, and whether you should believe a word that I say. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with producer Craig. Craig, I know you've been waiting for this moment all year, a chance to throw all of these predictions back in my face and say, look at this, you don't know what you're talking about. I made 127 predictions over the course of the year. So give me the stats. How did I do? <laughs> yeah, I've withheld this information from you. I've just been slowly compiling this after every episode. <laughs> I would jot down your takes. <laughs> Uh, secretly, secretly, like, in, you know, over your computer, like that fucking asshole. I'm going to throw this right back in his face someday. The under on Elvis, this guy's going to see. <laughs> uh, so you made 127 predictions. Because we, so like he said, we've done over 150 episodes, but a lot of them don't have predictions for multiple reasons. But you made 127 predictions. 25 of them are still TBD. 
a lot of long-term stuff. Things like yeah. Renfield will be a hit. We don't know that yet. Sure. Uh, so you actually, so you've made 102 predictions with recorded outcomes. 102. 58% of your answers were correct. Oh, not bad. No, I'll t- I'll take that. You know, if you were a sports gambling man, then you're 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 just making money because with the vig, you need to hit about 58% of your bets. But there's an e- there's no spread on these. You know, this right. is even odds on these bets for us. So 58% correct. All right, so you sent me a spreadsheet. I'm going to look at some of these and just kind of look at the wins. So some of the big wins, I I, I mentioned I predicted Netflix would, would reduce its movies. I predicted that Netflix will lose less subs than predicted. I did that in July. You were big on Netflix recovering yes. well and coming back kind of to homeostasis. Uh, yeah, and I think that was based on kind of the hyperbole that was out there. Like when the correction happened last spring, everybody was like, Netflix is over. You know, it's it's all coming crashing down. And I was like, really? You know, they're you know, kind of still the dominant player here. So um, I think my prediction is based on that did okay. Um, I did predict that August last summer would be the worst August box office in the modern era. That turned out to be correct, um, largely due to the lack of movies. Um, I predicted that there would be cutbacks and cast exits coming to SNL and Cecily Strong would be gone by the end of last season. That ended up happening. Um, I, I also predicted the Taylor Swift government hearings would lead to nothing. And we have seen that it has so far led to nothing against Live Nation or any of the ticketing people. Um, That was not that hard to predict. I think most people betting on the US government doing nothing or being inactive is a pretty safe bet. Um, but, and I did pretty well on my box office predictions, not perfect, but I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've done pretty well. So I have that number as well. So you made 37 box office predictions for opening weekend over unders. Okay. And you were even a little better than your overall percentage. 60% you nailed. Okay. That's good. I, I feel like that's, that's respectable. Um, what was the big one? I mean, you mentioned I, I flubbed on Elvis. I thought Elvis would be a flop. Um, I yes. thought, you know, that, that, and th- it turned out to not be a flop. What are some of the other ones for box office? Uh, you missed a uh, light year was a big one. Oh, I took the over on 75 for light year, uh, based on only the fact that my kid was super into it and turned out he is not representative of the general public. I did say top gun would be the biggest movie of Cruz's career. So that, and I, that was pretty early. I think that was after I saw the movie at CinemaCon before we saw the final tracking. Um, that turned out obviously to be correct. Um, I got Minions, I got Thor, I got um, Amsterdam flopping. Uh, not too hard there. But uh, Avatar hitting 2 billion, I got that one. Um, I missed on A Man Called Otto, that Tom Hanks movie. Which, Everybody you know, missed on that. I, I mean, who knew that that thing would actually do well at the box office? Not me. I mean, everybody missed on Elvis and A Man Called Otto, right? Those are probably the two biggest surprises of the box office of the last year. Right. The the safe bet on the stuff last year was to take the under because everything seemed to be underperforming. I feel like it's sort of flipped this year. We've had this run for the first two months of the year where everything everything seems to be overperforming tracking. Um, I last week I flubbed on Scream Six. You know, I took the under, thinking that Creed doing so well would bite into the Scream audience, and it turned out that. The Scream audience showed up, and it was uh, it was way over track. It was in the 40 millions for Scream 6. 
Yeah, we've seen all overs. I mean, Cocaine Bear hit the over. You took the under on Ant Man, but that technically hit the over opening weekend. Oh, it did. Oh, that's right. But then it then it flopped after that. Yes, it cratered. But yes, yeah, Scream Six. You took the under. That went over. Uh, it's pretty much just been all overs uh, since the beginning. I mean, even eighty for Brady went over. Yeah, God bless them. Um, all right, my biggest flub of the year, my biggest miss. I, I actually I have a pick for my own miss. I can't believe I picked, predicted that Bob Iger would buy the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I knew he was talking to them, and I knew that he had expressed interest, and maybe I was sort of so high on my own scoop that I thought it would come to fruition. But, you know, there's so many hurdles, and obviously Iger had his eyes on something else. But, um, yeah, he did not buy the Phoenix Suns. They, they were sold. I think when I made that prediction at the time, they were not even for sale yet. But, um, yeah, didn't happen. Uh, some of your other misses here. You you predicted that Will Smith and Chris Rock would present at the Oscars together. <laughs> oh yeah, that uh, was not happening. I think that was before I realized just how pissed off Chris Rock really was. Uh, still to this day, at Will Smith um, and the fact that you know, I think that was before he was banned from appearing at the show. It had to be before that. So yeah, that one did not happen. I also more recently predicted that Tom Cruise would show up at the Oscars and I was wrong about that one. You were right. Yeah, I knew it. I knew he was too scared. He didn't have the temerity to show up. Yeah, what it was. We've, we've gone over that. But yeah, I, I gave him a little too much credit there. So a couple others, you predicted uh, a couple other losses here. You predicted HBO Max will be renamed as either HBO or Discovery, which we now oh. know. Not that true. is not accurate. It's going to be, according <laughs> to all the reports that I've read and the people I've talked to, it's going to be called just Max. Max. Um, which, you know, I probably should have seen that coming. Yeah, Discovery doesn't really mean anything either. HBO certainly has its own uh, downside as well. Um, what else? You predicted Live Golf would be going to Fox. Oof, another bad one. That one went to the CW, Live Golf, which is a similar situation. I thought it would go to Fox just because the politics there are more aligned. You know, it's sort of weirdly become this like conservative cause to like be in bed with the Saudis or at least Donald Trump's cause. So I thought maybe Fox would go for it. But I think that's even too toxic for Fox. And, C and the CW, which is owned by Star, which is this like random company that doesn't have to care about being in the talent business, really, they went for it. You said that the Batgirl movie that was that was killed for a tax credit would get leaked. I don't think it got leaked, right? Did you hear about anybody seeing it? I've heard about people seeing it. There was like a secret screening on the lot at Warner Brothers for people who were involved with it, so to almost like a wake where they got to see it, uh, you know, before it was put on a shelf or whatever. And actually, the Scooby Doo movie, the other movie that was scrapped by Warner Discovery, that movie did leak. And it's been on some of the pirate sites. But I don't think Batgirl ever did. Um, you know, maybe the Brendan Fraser, Michael Keaton people got on that and made sure it didn't happen because they didn't want it to hurt their careers. I always forget that Brendan Fraser was in that. Oh, I mean, that was, uh, we talked about that. It could have been his Norbit during the Oscar season. And, you know, they wanted the Michael Keaton reveal, they want to be in The Flash, which is coming out this summer. And it was going to be in this HBO Max movie. And that, turned out to not be what they wanted because obviously they don't want the value to be on the streaming service these days. They want it to be in theaters and to get people to go to the theater to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. It's just a complete reversal 
of the strategy at Warner Discovery in the two plus years it took to make that movie. Um, and it just didn't make sense. And obviously people said it was released unreleasable. Um, hopefully someday we will get to see that unreleased Batgirl movie. You suggested that, uh, or you predicted that Amazon Free V, formerly known as IMDb TV, will be a huge hit, which... Yeah, I mean, that, what is define huge hit? I, I think that's doing well. They keep ordering shows for it. And that just gets to this trend of the fast channels, the free ad-supported television channels. I mean, that is the growth area or what the studios see as growth areas for streaming TV. I mean, they recognize that people like free. And there is a level of consumer that will watch what you put on your free service. It's all of these. It's Pluto TV. It's Tubi. It's the you know the free tier Roku of, channel. Uh, yeah, it's it, you know Warner Discovery is supposedly working on one. Netflix supposedly uh, has has an idea of doing one as well. There will be a free ecosystem of television soon that will be very popular on on streaming but that that means so if netflix has one that that means it'll be separate programming from what is on netflix it'll be different programming on their free version with advertising that is the speculation that there will be a free version which is like you know the the dregs you know the 10 year old shows or you get one or two episodes of a show and then you got to subscribe to the subscription tier in order to watch the rest or it'll be only in certain markets around the world where they are particularly price sensitive. You know, you look at a, a market like India, they're just not used to paying a lot for their content. So if Netflix had a compelling ad-driven free tier to get people in India to watch, maybe that would be a good business. I mean, that, I think they're still figuring out what that is going to be. But I, you know, I do believe Netflix will have a free tier at some point. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Another thing that you predicted, which you nailed more recently, was that... Um Nothing would happen to Andrea Riseborough. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the, the, the Academy is just spineless when it comes to this stuff. They're never going to go after an actor 
They just, I mean, we've seen so many examples this season of people flouting the campaign rules. And in the past, non-famous people, like a producer named Nick Chartier, and there was a songwriter who violated the rules, those people were punished and didn't come to the Oscars because of their transgressions. None of the actors this year that did these shady moves got punished at all. There were reports of parties that the Everything Everywhere People were thrown uh, by different people. Jamie Lee Curtis had a party for her nomination that invited Academy members, which you're not supposed to do in phase two. There was something for Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Like all these things happened and they, the Academy just said, you know what, we'll just figure it out after the season. So I think they're just going to wait and have new rules and they didn't want to punish any of the actors because it just creates bad headlines for them when famous people get punished for Oscar nonsense. You said everything everywhere will win best picture. Whoa, when did I say that? January 24th. So not really a hot take at that time. No, I guess. But that was before the SAG Awards. That was before the BAFTAs, although they didn't win BAFTAs. That was before a lot of these precursors. So I guess that's okay. You said Puss in Boots 2 would be a huge hit, which it was. I did say that. Um, although initially around the holidays, I was disappointed by the Puss in Boots results. But then it started to gain momentum. And what I didn't see initially was that it had the entire winter months to itself. We still have not had a all-family film in theaters since Puss in Boots. I mean, think about it. I know this because my kid sees them all, and he hasn't gone to anything since Puss in Boots, which he saw twice. And uh, this week, they've, we've got Shazam, but like it's been a long drought, and they really took advantage of that. I think it's up to like 400 and something um, at, right now, which is a great result for that. Does your son have any interest in Mario or no? Oh, huge. And and he doesn't even know it that well. He knows, like, he knows the game. But they did a smart thing where they started putting Mario toys in Happy Meals, like, around the holidays. Oh. And, you know, he, he gets to go to McDonald's for a Happy Meal every once in a while. And he got the Mario toy. And he's super into it. So whoever's idea that was, that was smart. Like, months before the movie came out. You said that, uh, this was impressive, that Hocus Pocus 2 will be the biggest movie ever on streaming. And you were correct. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a, uh, that was, because you know why? Because there is a, by the way, Puss in Boots 2 is at 462 worldwide. I don't want an angry email from Universal. Yes, it's 462. Um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I mean, Hocus Pocus, those initial tune-in numbers were really big. And it was released right before the October Halloween corridor, where people put that stuff on, like during parties or when they've got friends over or whatever. And it, that's a movie that probably should have gone to theaters. Same with the Hulu movie Prey, which was the Predator oh, spinoff. Yeah. That movie probably should have gone to theaters and probably would have if the regime hadn't cha had changed it, Disney, before those movies came out. But it was released under the previous Bob Chapek regime where he was streaming, streaming, streaming. And they did very well, both those movies on the services, but probably could have gotten 100 $200 million in theaters, which would have been nice for the bottom line there. And still done very well on the service. You had a couple sports predictions that you nailed. You said that Buck and oh, Aikman God. will really? not increase. Well, you went 50-50 on sports, but I'll stick with the positive stuff. Okay. You said Buck and Aikman will not increase Monday Night Football ratings, which was correct. Actually went down. Yeah, I just, I don't think the announcers really matter that much for tune-in. No. They matter for getting the good games because the league cares that you care about them. But uh, I don't think that, that it makes that big a difference. You predicted the NBA Finals would have a 15 to 17% ratings boost, uh, which I think they even did a little bit better than that from based on 2021's numbers because, you know, Celtics and Warriors were huge markets. 
Yeah. I don't know when I made that prediction, but I think it was when those markets were determined. And that's a pretty that's a pretty easy one to do. Yeah, you made it on in late May. Hmm. Um and then you said uh you said the first Thursday night football game will bring in more than fifteen million viewers, which was correct. Oh, that's good. Now uh-huh. obviously they had a huge drop off after that. Um, and especially towards the end of the season and when they didn't have exclusive, when, when they had games that were aired in the markets of the home teams, the Amazon games really dropped off, but you know, I, I, jury's still out on whether that's a big success. It's basically NFL has been a marketing tool for Amazon to try to get customers in the door to start using all of their much more profitable services. So, um, you know, they say it's a hit. I think the TV prognostication and you know the data services are questioning whether it's a hit um but you know i think the nfl is happy they have a new buyer and they have a new partner in one of the most powerful companies in the world speaking of marketing how do you feel about what what is your thoughts on amazon prime video streaming a black friday nfl game this year i think it's gonna be great for them it'll probably be their biggest nfl game ever because it's exclusive and you, I don't know. I mean, do, do we know who's playing yet? No. I mean, I imagine it'll be a decent game. I mean, that was really one of the negotiation points in, in Amazon taking um, the NFL is they wanted that Black Friday game. They didn't do it this past year because the World Cup was at the same time. But I think that'll be a huge, huge draw. I mean, do you think this is the future where you're going to be able to watch, you're going to be watching Amazon Prime Video watching a football game on Black Friday and there's going to be ads in your commercials and you could put, theoretically minimize your screen to then buy the toilet paper ads that was just advertised to you on the same platform you're watching the game on. Yeah, that's the goal. And not toilet paper. They're trying to get you to buy your Christmas presents there. Right. Unless, you, unless you give toilet paper for Christmas, which would be weird. But if you have you know, an exercise bike or a Nintendo switch or whatever you want to buy. That's the goal is to get you. I mean, the rock is doing this Christmas movie for Amazon. I think we've talked about this on the show where I think he plays like a version of Santa. It's an Amazon Christmas movie that is designed to be a kind of black Friday tie in. And they paid him an enormous amount of money because it's essentially a movie that doubles as a promotional item for their Christmas buying season. And that is the future. I mean, anytime these services can do that and support their other businesses, because as we know, Amazon Prime Video is not the primary business that Amazon in. It's sort of a lost leader that helps keep people from churning out and bringing in new customers to the service. And that's, you know, that's how they make their money. What a terrible time we're in. (laughs) Listen, until you get a deal on the exercise bike you want to buy. All right. That pretty much wraps it up. That's it. You, are you gonna Are you gonna give me one like you really nailed this one? Like one big one that you know no one was thinking of that only you could think of. Yeah, the uh, you predicted that, str- that the newest season of Stranger Things would would beat out Squid Game, which was correct, which was impressive. I will say. Yeah, I'll take that one. Squid that was Game not being the given. global phenomenon that it is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that I mean, it, it, Stranger Things is the biggest show that Netflix has ever had. Uh, when you look at all of the seasons. But keep in mind, Squid Game was just this phenomenon. Every country, it it, it did well in. And uh, I think that was, you know, they, they want Squid Game to come back so badly at Netflix. <laughs> Anything, they're doing a reality show based on Squid Game, although it's kind of a disaster, I've heard. They're, you know, people are like, surprise, surprise, getting injured and stuff. 
but yeah, that's um, Netflix after Stranger Things next year is going to be an interesting thing. They got to figure out a spinoff. All right. So, if, you know, 58% success rate in year one, not bad. We'll see what year two holds. Got a lot of movies yeah. coming out this summer. So let's do the first one. First, first prediction of our second year is going to be a box office over-under. Shazam! Fury of the Gods is coming out this weekend. Uh, the tracking is about $40 million. I'm going to take the under because this one looks not great to me. It was delayed from Christmas, uh, delayed first by COVID, and then delayed from Christmas to March. Um, it's not been one of those movies that the Warner Brothers DC executives, the new regime, have been talking about as something that they love. You know, they say that The Flash is one of the greatest movies they've ever seen. They don't say that about Shazam 2. And, you know, the reviews have not come out yet, but uh, I'm just, I don't think, this one doesn't smell good. Um, so I'm going to take the under on 40. The original opened to 53 million domestic. So if it gets to anywhere near the original, I will lose this bet. And I'm again taking an under in a year in which, so far at least, most of these movies are overperforming. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and take the under on 40. Yeah, I remember when this first movie, when the first Shazam came out in 2019, and it was kind of like a, a surprise hit. Like a lot of friends of mine went and liked it. And when I was asking them about Shazam 2, people had no interest. I don't know if it's superhero fatigue or what, but for some reason, the second one, I, I think it was like, a, I, I get it. I did it once. I don't need to do it again. I know. Well, listen, if you get to a certain number in this town, you get a sequel, especially if you're a franchise or IP. But uh, the prospects for Shazam 3, I think, are pretty limited, especially given that the new DC leaders are talking about reinventing everything. They've got It's weird because they've got these movies that are already done like Aquaman two and Shazam two that they've got to support and release, but it's pretty clear they want to move on from that universe. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see what, uh, Renfield does because talking about all the movies that are hitting overs lately, uh, you know, uh, horror is like five for five on going over in their mm -hmm. box office forecast for the opening weekends. And Renfield is kind of the first movie that feels like the blending of a, superhero, you know, IP-driven movie with the horror element. I wonder if that movie's just going to... It's Dracula. It's Dracula, but from the perspective of the aggrieved assistant. Yeah, with comedy mixed in. Like, I, that movie is going to make a billion dollars And a star. Nick Cage is, you know, Nick Cage is a star. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I it just That's a real wild card. I know I said it was going to be a hit. I thought just because the trailer looked fun. I think it'll but... be a huge hit. They need to digitally impose Jenna Ortega in it, too. They just put her in... <laughs> <laughs> and Megan, don't forget Megan from uh, from that movie. Megan. We need, we need like up. yeah, horror Avengers is what we need. Listen, Universal will do it. They need a an extended universe. They don't have superheroes, so you know if they could create a horror universe, that's why they're doing a Dracula movie. They would love to have this. They tried to do the dark universe or whatever yep. that was, didn't work, and now this is kind of their way to back into it. But we'll see. All right, that's the show. I want to thank you, producer Craig. Do you want to take a bow for a year of shows? Sure. Yes. I will say whenever, like whenever we go to premieres and stuff, you are always the main draw. No one wants to meet me. They only want to meet you. That is 100% not true. The only <laughs> thing I get is people think I look much younger than I sound. You do. Uh, that's, it's because of your three pack a day smoking habit. That's right. I keep that going for yes, that, for that exactly. reason alone. Uh, all right. That's the show. I want to thank producer Craig. And I guess I want to thank myself. No guests today. <laughs> we'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.